You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition, as we do every Monday, starting your week off with your questions, and we've got plenty of great ones. And uh, we're going to get right to him here to help me do that. As always, are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. He is not yet 30, but it is va- it's quickly approaching. He is 75 days away from turning 30 years old. Matthew Lane, what a youth you are. I am so young and quick, you don't even understand, Kent. <laughs> I could run a sub 8083 cone and not need an ice pack afterwards. That is how much of a youth I am. But really, I'm doing well. I have you know some low energy levels day coming off a long weekend. Want to wish all of our listeners, especially dads out there, a late happy Father's Day. My energy levels were a little low, but then this call started. And just looking at these two superstars... Craig Stout, Kent Swanson, like I knew I had to bring my A game. Like I may have, you know, the youth, I may have age on my size here, but the experience, the stardom, the firepower, I got a radio star. I got NBC Sports star on this call with me. I have to step my game up. I have to be able to not have these guys drag me along. So Craig, tell me, how am I doing so far? Maddie, you are doing phenomenal. You are the best of us, the youngest of us, the the most pliable of us as you said before the call so this is really it's just kent and i having to bring up our energy level to match your natural youthful energy you child kent let's try and bring a good show here and talk some good football hey us olds have to try to you know have to try to do this the funny thing is real quick sidebar the funny thing is like i'm pretty sure craig will agree with this maddie's the smartest football guy of all of us absolutely like he's the funny thing is is like we get a little bit more attention we shouldn't you know but like maddie is like extremely smart extremely football smart it's ridiculous so false bravado thanks for letting us ride on your coattails of knowledge buddy uh i really appreciate it we have a lot of five-star review questions uh to get to and so we'll just jump right into those bronson r asks who will keep the chiefs offense from averaging 40 points a game uh, the NFL uh, NFL defenses, Andy Reid going conser- conservative or Steve Spagnuolo's top 10 v- defense helping uh, Andy decide to put on the brakes. 40 points is a lot of points to score on every single game because you have to consider with all of these things happening here, defenses do sometimes are going to have a good game plan. Weather's going to affect some games. Andy Reid, if he gets a big lead, does get conservative. And if your defense is giving you a big lead, when you're up, you know, 24 to nothing, you're not going to keep the pedal to the metal. So just having 40 points every single game is a very hard task to accomplish. Of those things, I think we've seen that Andy Reid gets really conservative. So that would probably be my leading guess. That's the one that's probably going to affect the most games overall. 
Trench Bros Pod. I appreciate that Kent, Matt, and Craig aren't afraid to tell it like it is. I appreciate that, Trench Bros Pod. That, what's, what's what we try to be. Uh, thank you and keep it up. Uh, question for Craig. A couple of buddies and I host a beer review podcast out of the Hutchinson area. I've had beer in Hutchinson, by the way. What is the best brewery in central Kansas here, and what is their best beer? Okay, so knowing me and beer, I have several answers. Uh, <laughs> the first one is in Wichita. Uh, it's called Don't Poke the Bear. It's a creamy milk stout by Norton Brewing Company. It's got coconut, cacao. It, it is oh my. amazing. Norton Brewing Company has phenomenal beer. They don't distribute. So I feel like that's a little bit cheating. I have the luxury of having that. So distribution-wise... Gutch from Defiance Beer Brewing Company is one of my very favorites. I love a good English-style mild ale, and they make a phenomenal one. And if you're talking about limited releases, another one that's distributed from Walnut River Brewing Company and then Norseman in Topeka, Walnut Rivers in El Dorado, Axis and Ores. It is a Kvik Black Oat IPA. It is amazing. If you see it on shelves, pick it up immediately. Wow. Very detailed Uh from you uh, there, Craig. I feel like Craig went to like a foreign language halfway through that. Can't you, did you pick up on all those words? I honestly, whenever Craig starts talking, I'm just like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, totally. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and jump to this one. This is from Sea Woods. And I'm gonna just like embarrass myself a little bit here because this, this is my pal from way back and I'll just read this and just embarrass myself in front of you guys because this was me being a total nerd backing. Growing up with Kent, we would play NCAA football over at his place. This involved more of me watching him painstakingly and meticulously recruit players and build a roster rather than us playing an actual game. Uh, it's nice to see his passion for football turn into an amazing product. So I just thought I embarrassed myself. That's how I played That's how I played uh, NCAA football. Um, the, here's his question. Given Andy Reid's previous success in Philadelphia and Kansas City, as well as his ever-growing elite coaching tree, does he now have a chance to overtake Bill Belichick as the greatest coach of the modern era? Thanks for all the work. This has become my favorite podcast. Completely unbiased. Shout out to my guy. I don't know if he wants me to say his name. Shout out Sea Woods. We were in each other's weddings. So, uh, Okay, so here's the thing. I actually do think because of Patrick Mahomes that, they have a, like, that Andy Reid has a chance. Like It's going to take... It's going to take a lot of a lot of rings here in the next 5 years. It's going to take like 3 rings in the next 5 years, but I think you can start making that argument pretty quick uh, because I think I think Andy Reid's been a better ambassador for the game of football. His coaching tree success I think makes things a little bit in- interesting. It puts him more in the Bill Walsh kind of category for me where, you know, he was just such an extension of knowledge to so many people. I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but it's just going to take a lot of rings. Yeah, and Kent nailed it. It's it's the coaching tree. That's the difference between that. Bill Belichick schematically is one of the greatest defensive minds in the history of NFL football. Now, Andy Reid is an amazing offensive mind. You see people taking stuff from him all the time, but it's not to the same level as you know creating a pattern matching coverage. You know, being able to develop all these different packages just to kind of revolutionize the game in general, like. Everybody does it now, and everybody steals from Bill Belichick and has been from something that he created back in the 90s. So 
this is a situation where Andy has to stack a bunch of rings, and he's got to have more of his guys win rings. We know that Bill Belichick has his assistant coaches leave, you know, under his tree and basically fail. Like uh, most of those guys don't become much of anything. So if Andy can build up some more of these guys, they can just continue to win rings. If we go on an Andy Reid streak of wing winning, you know, with him and his coaching tree, we can start to really kind of revere him as this, you know, God amongst NFL head coaches. I think it'd be really tricky just because Belichick has the two decades of coaching now of just untapped or just unparalleled success Andy Reid, while very good in Philadelphia, still had some ups and downs and things like that. Like, you're always going to be able to find a little bit more of the not top tier kind of seasons when you look back at Andy Reid's pedigree versus Bill Belichick's. Now, if Andy Reid goes on this five-year run here, the Chiefs are great for the next five years and just something that's never been seen before in the NFL, I think you could make the case and it certainly could happen with the way the Chiefs teams lined up. It'd just be very difficult. But I think the real question that should be asked here after reading this, if Kent Swanson went into college coaching, could he overtake Nick Saban? Because what I'm thinking is after seeing how he's willing to backburner one of his best friends to <laughs> recruit fake made up NCAA players coming out of high school. He's out here paying, you know, our lads are rivals for 40 times in high school, 185 pound bench numbers while his best friends just sitting over there like, bro, I want to play a game real quick. Like, so that kind of dedication at a young age, could Kent Swanson overtake Nick Saban if he decided to Craig? Oh, I think that there's a really, really, really good chance that he could there. I, I especially like the fact that he railroaded in there. Like you're just gonna sit here, you're going to for, you're going to watch me play a video game. Not that's, play. He's not playing. He's recruiting. Recruiting. That's big brother stuff. That's like here, little brother. Hold the unplugged controller and sit <laughs> off to the side and pretend like you're playing. You know, games with me. Except it's just him recruiting in NCAA football. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm a terrible friend. <laughs> like. I'm pretty sure I'm just a terrible friend. Uh, I had a really, I had another little nugget to add about the the Bill Belichick Andy Reid argument. Uh, Andy Reid's tree has more Super Bowl wins than uh, than Bill's does. So, yeah. just a you know, who's an ambassador for the game? One's cheating all the time, and one is Andy Reid. Uh, let's go to the uh, Gmail apnerdsquad at gmail dot com. If you don't have Twitter, you don't want to add ask there. If you've already left us a five-star review or just don't like us enough to leave a five-star review, you can just <laughs> add – you can ask us a question on the Gmail. Uh, Aussie Chief asks, Dear His Hairness, <laughs> Hollywood Hop, and Night Train Lane. Oh, we might need to get that one to stick. Let's set the over-under for Mahomes running a QB sneak this season at .05. What are you taking and why, Craig? Uh, definitely taking the over because I feel like Patrick Mahomes is going to clamor for it throughout the year. I think at the end of the season there, Patrick Mahomes would have gladly run it, especially in the Super Bowl. He would have gladly run it. So I think that you're going to see situations where Pat says, we're good. That was a freak accident. It's not going to happen again. Let me do it. And I think Andy Reid will acquiesce at some point. 
yeah, I would take the over as well. At some point in time, a situation is going to arise where they're going to go up on a very third or fourth and short, and Pat's going to see the option to run a sneak. If it's not called, he's just going to see the option to run a sneak, and he will make that adjustment himself. Andy Reid's really not going to be upset for him if it works, and that's the way he'd do it. Besides that, I wouldn't put it past Andy Reid to call one again. It was a freak injury last year. It's like, I don't think there's really much of a reason to think anything about it. So, yeah, it's going to happen, I think, this year. I was a little. I, I was thinking about whether or not I think they might have called the sneak uh, if Damon Williams hadn't been ruled in uh, in the Super Bowl uh, until like last week when Patrick was, Mahomes said they had a play call ready for fourth down if they're going to go. That just makes me sound like makes me think that that wasn't you know a quarterback sneak. Like it just makes me think like they were going to go do something different. Like just the way he phrased it. Uh, maybe I'm overthinking that. Ethan asks, would you rather the Chiefs trade up to draft Mitch Trubisky instead of Patrick Mahomes or in 2018 fire Andy Reid and John Dorsey then have Bill O'Brien be hired for both GM and head coach? Mahomes or Reid? This is a bad question. I mean, I would take Pat- <laughs> I would take wow. I would take Patrick Mahomes over Andy Reid in this situation because I do think Bill O'Brien's still a smart offensive football coach. Like I think if you give Bill O'Brien Patrick Mahomes, he is going to find a way to have a successful offense, especially when you put Travis Kelsey out there, Tyreek Hill, assuming Brett Veach still becomes your GM and he's getting in guys like Sammy Watkins and stuff like, I think there's going to be... No, Bill O'Brien's the GM here in this scenario. It says GM and head coach. Oh, well, then we'll bring in Brandon Cooks or something like that instead. <laughs> How just I have faith that that Bill O'Brien could get enough out of the offense to be a competent team. I mean, look what he's done with the Texans. I don't think he would make the Chiefs any worse and Patrick Mahomes is better than Deshaun Watson. So like you have your floor kind of with what you see with the Texans, vice versa. I don't, I don't think Mitchell Trubisky ever gets Alex Smith traded. Like, is Alex Smith still the quarterback if we trade up for Mitchell Trubisky? I don't know how that goes down. As great as Andy Reid is, just I, I don't have faith in Mitchell Trubisky. I don't either, but I do have faith in Andy Reid maximizing a quarterback. I don't know that Mitchell Trubisky would be the guy. It may be Alex Smith here for another few more years, and then we see them try again with another guy. You know, Maybe, let's say, the Chiefs end up with Trevor Lawrence next year instead of all of this, and then the Chiefs have another top-tier quarterback. I don't think they were going to quit making swings at top-tier quarterbacks just because they had Alex Smith here. So I would keep Andy Reid, even though Patrick Mahomes is the best player on the planet and it's not particularly close. Trevor Lawrence isn't Patrick Mahomes, anything like that. I just think that you can win a Super Bowl with another you know, top 15 quarterback, top 10 quarterback, and Andy Reid. I'm not sure that I can stay the same if Patrick Mahomes and Bill O'Brien being your general manager are going to be the situation there. Uh, Give me Pat. Give me talent over scheme. (laughs) Give me talent over scheme. Uh, Let's jump to the Twitter questions. And Russell 2018, does it make sense to trade Chris Jones for Jamal Adams? The positional value is far less for a safety, but we'd at least get an elite salary-controlled player for a couple years. The same thing can't be said about Chris Joes, whether he's under a deal or the tag. 
I do think that this is a great question. A lot of people have had this since Jamal Adams brought up that the Chiefs were one of the teams that he would willingly be traded to and that he would probably, we assume, that he would probably play out his rookie deal or at least another year of his rookie deal, which makes him pretty cheap next year. Now, that being said, Jamal Adams, albeit an all-pro safety, a an easy, you know, high up there on the ranks safety that would help Steve Spagnuolo would fit in the scheme is probably worth less to the NFL than Chris Jones is. It just, that's the nature of the thing. So I don't know that trading him straight up, even though Chris Jones costs more, makes a whole lot of sense there. Because once if the Jets traded for Chris Jones, they're going to immediately turn around and structure a contract that makes sense for them. The problem with Chris Jones in Kansas City is if the Chiefs pay him, they're having to pay him and Patrick Mahomes at the same time. Like, there's no good way to sort out the way that the money balances back and forth against the cap. You'd just be up against the cap every single year. They can't. They could do it, but it would be rough. Meanwhile, the Jets can structure it and work some things out in a way that makes sense for them. So I think it does make sense, but I think that the Jets would actually have to bring a little more to the table than just Jamal Adams. The Jets might have to bring a little bit more, and I think it would really depend on how much they really wanted Chris Jones versus how much they wanted to unload Jamal Adams. But just a straight-up Chris Jones for Jamal Adams trade, like I think from the Chiefs' perspective, it makes a ton of sense when you consider how much the Chiefs use three safeties, how often they have three safeties on the field. It's not like Jamal Adams is coming in to play 50% of the snaps or Juan Thornhill's going to all of a sudden play 50% of the snaps. Like You're going to get them all three of Tyron Matthew, Jamal Adams, Juan Thornhill, all on the field together a ton. On top of that, Chris Jones, who knows what the Chiefs are going to recoup for him next year if they don't re-sign him. And it seems unlikely at this point in time, at least from my perspective, that they are going to pay him next year. And if that's the case, you're just letting him walk into free agency to get a comp pick and as excited as Kent gets about those, that's a year away and a third round pick. Worst case scenario, if you trade for Jamal Adams, you're still going to get that same third round comp pick. You're just going to get it a year later because you're also going to get Jamal Adams for an extra year for less money than you pay Chris Jones. Like it makes a ton of sense, both short term and long term to me to take Jamal Adams over Chris Jones if you're the Chiefs. But like Craig said, you're going to kind of balance this positional value thing, which I don't know if it makes as much of a deal to NFL teams as it does fans. Uh. My, I would try to, what I would think about doing, I think before anything is I think I'd try to trade picks for Jamal Adams. Um, I would try to do that and it'd be a little bit, it'd be a hint of all in for 2020, but you could potentially recoup some of the assets that you gave up with moving on from Chris Jones after next year, which most likely I think you're going to have to do. I'm not sure. Like, I think the Chiefs might have to move on from Chris Jones anyway, frankly, after this year, like I just don't see a ton of optimism that he's going to be here past 2020 right now. That's just my feel. That's just my gut on it. Uh, Magruder P. Mac. Sign Larry Warford or trade for Jamal Adams. You only got one decision. Oh, I mean, it's trade for Jamal Adams pretty easy to me. As much as I think the Chiefs could use some improvement, especially at right guard or center, I don't think Larry Warford's the best fit for an interior offensive line for the Chiefs. He's a little bit more of a power blocker, a gap scheme kind of guy. He, I know he had some success with the Saints running some outside zone stuff, but he's just a 
bigger, more powerful, slower-footed interior offensive guy. I just don't think he's what the Chiefs usually use, and Jamal Adams is just simply a better player and would be cheaper than Larry Warford. Well, going to be right now, most likely. Yeah, I'm, I'm trading for Jamal Adams. I, I would... For if he's willing to play out his his rookie deal, which would be this next season at about three million dollars, and then his fifth year option that's about nine million dollars. Not that the nine million dollars is super cheap. You'd almost consider a first for that, just because you've got to beat out some of these other teams. It would be hard for me to pass up being a defensive guy. And we talked about before the draft. You know, this Bermuda Triangle, basically, in the middle of the field. Teams couldn't throw in the middle of the field. You add Jamal Adams, that's what you get out of it. So I would definitely go Jamal Adams. Wes Burns asks, if we somehow did acquire Jamal Adams, are you making Tyron Matthew a full-time cornerback or just moving Adams and Matthew all over the field every play? So Maddie kind of alluded to this before, but the reaction that I got from a lot of people when I mentioned that they would have, you know, the Chiefs would have, I called it the smartest damn secondary trademark in the league. So I think that people took that to mean, okay, well, that means that Juan Thornhill is going to see the bench or Tyron Matthews only going to play corner. Matt said it. They played three safeties the majority of their snaps. They were only in the base 25% of the year. That means the other 75%, they were adding an extra defensive back. Steve Spagnuolo at the beginning of the year tried out Kendall Fuller in the slot. It didn't work particularly well. When Kendall Fuller got hurt, he rotated Tyron Matthew down there, and we saw what happened. He was defensive player of the year caliber right there. He was one of the best slot corners in the league. He can play that base safety role, but you want him there. You want him in the line next to the line of scrimmage and be able to use him in that way. So 75% of the snaps, you're going to have three safeties on the field because Tyron Matthews is going to be in the slot. Jamal Adams offers you the flexibility in a lot of those positions to kick down and play man against tight ends, to play deep split with Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill can play deep by himself. Jamal Adams can blitz. Steve Spagnolo just gets to open up even more of the exotic coverages that we saw him use throughout the year last year with these, you know, kind of dynamic players that can play all over the secondary there. Jamal Adams is one of those guys. Add him with Tyron Matthew, add him with Juan Thornhill, and just thrive having an amoeba secondary. I'm also not even certain that you can't run some defenses that look like your base 4-3 and just slide Jamal Adams in as one of the particular like linebacker type positions. Like he's obviously still a safety, but he's so good in the box and as a physical run defender, you could put him on the backside as a linebacker, line him up essentially as a will and just let him run around there too. But yeah, Craig said it. Like you're going to move all these guys around, I think. But for the most part, Tyron Matthew is going to play in the slot. You could obviously move Thornhill over there as they did later in the year, or you could put Jamal Adams over there. But that is where Tyron Matthew seems to be the most effective. And it, it's you know it's a lot of match zone stuff. So these guys are constantly moving around. You want Tyron Matthew to be working out of that slot over the middle of the field where he can peel off of a slot receiver and make plays on a bunch of different guys. So I, I think that would still be where you'd see him. But then now all of a sudden you put Jamal Adams on the other side or rotating all over these different places. Like just good luck finding all of these guys in any given snap all right we're going to take a break and we will be back with more of your questions right after this 
We've got a late add to the Twitter questions. I just saw this on my Twitter feed, Maddie. This is this is hot off the press. Which fan base is Matt freaking Lane going to enrage with his evaluation of one of their players? Ooh, this is a tricky one. Is this going to be more? Is this like for a college? We think here. Do we think this is what college? I think it, I I think it could go either way. <sighs> well, Ohio State fans already very much dislike me. <laughs> oh no, I know where this is going. They already dislike me, so I might I might steer clear of them for now. Like I think I'm gonna leave the Ohio Staters alone. I really don't have an answer yet. I haven't got deep enough into this, guys. I, I'm sorry. I will have something soon. I am gonna go out on a mission this year. I think the the fan base that is gonna dislike me the most is gonna be the analytics fan base. I know they don't really root for a team, but they kind of seem like they do. So we're going to say... They root for the Ravens. Oh. oh. Who just took a running back with the top Wait 60 Wait a second. Pick. Ravens fans are who I'm going to make mad this year because their quarterback is a running back. Watch the playoff game. Cut to, in three months, the Sean Wade slander starting in Ohio <laughs> State piling into Maddie's mentions. I was just waiting. Like, I knew you were going there, and like then you... St- you stop short. Well, they see the thing is they also have this quarterback that everybody wants to say is as good as Trevor Lawrence, and then like I watch he's him not. throw deep balls, and I don't know what he's doing. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be Ohio State. <laughs> real quick, real quick sidebar: Trey Lance is a dude. I'm really, I'm kind of digging some Trey Lance. I'm not with Daniel Jeremiah where I think he's the best prospect quarterback prospect in this class. It's still Trevor Lawrence for me, like by a lot. But, like, Trey Lance is – he's hes a dude. Like, there's no doubt about it. Watch him go in and beat Maybe Oregon. Maybe I'll go at North Dakota State now because I didn't love his arm on anything that was outbreaking to the sideline, and that makes a couple North Dakota State fans – they disagree with that take. But when I watched him last year, I, I didn't love his arm. So, you know – Maybe I can find one clip of him throwing a duck to the sideline and just enrage the entire state because there's not. You felt fa- you felt fa- you felt fa- you found Jake's burners. <laughs> That's true. All right, and Russell, 2018. Did Von Miller or Joey Bosa thank their second dad today? You know, Mitch Schwartz. Great job, and Russell, 2018. I decided to turn this into a legit question. Who is sending the Chiefs? Or Chiefs players Father's Day cards, Craig. Well, I mean, I hate to say it, but he called it a long time. He called it before the game. I mean, Derrick Henry sending Frank Clark a Father's Day card right now. Frank Clark told him that he wasn't going to run the ball well against him, and guess what? He didn't run the ball well against him. So yeah, Frank Clark got an extra Father's Day card this year. Man, I was also going to pick Frank Clark getting one from Garrett Bowles. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I assume Garrett Bowles sends everybody a Father's Day card because yikes. Um, so, yeah, his, his his rookie contract has just gone to Father's Day cards. So I'm going to say Philip Rivers still sends Father's Day cards to Bob Sutton because I mean, like Jesus, like watching Philip Rivers try to play against that defense was some of the most disgusting football you've ever seen. Uh, double digit leads sent a Christmas or a, a Father's Day card to Andy Reid. Uh, just so you know. Uh, hat, hat tip to Richard Sherman sending one to Sam or yeah to Sammy Watkins. That was that was so that was my that was my one in the bucket just or in the in the pocket <laughs> just waiting. I'm not even joking. This is not a joke. I had that one waiting. 
But I wanted to get the double digit lead joke. Ooh, off. you know what it's going to be next year? I got it. Though for next year, it's going to be Damon Arnett sending one to Tyree Kill, but it will never get there in time because it's just way too slow. Oh, I love it. I love it. We could have gone Lamar this year, but we're definitely going Lamar next year after he loses twice next season to him again. He's old four. Uh, I found this one very interesting. The Clan McLean asks, what is your favorite Kevin Bacon movie? Also, he asked favorite with an OU because he's from Canada. What is your favorite Kevin Bacon movie? This this, this is a hard one to do on the spot. Um, I, I, not a big... Uh movie guy especially remembering who's in them but if i'm not mistaken kevin bacon was in uh tremors and i did like that movie as a kid i found it quite funny so I, i'm gonna go with tremors as my favorite kevin bacon movie that's what i was gonna go with as well but uh runner up i have always loved apollo 13 like i loved love love that movie when i was younger and kevin bacon's good in it uh this one might be a little bit like off the beaten path. Have y'all ever seen The River Wild? Yeah. Meryl Streep, Kevin Bacon. Great movie. It's not really like... I, if, I wouldn't call it a Kevin Bacon movie in the sense that like Kevin Bacon's like a real prominent role, but like I think it's it's fantastic movie. Uh, just going to say that out loud. Um, Henry M. Huss, 26H. Should Chiefs fans be considered... Or I think he meant concerned. Should Chiefs fans be concerned that none of the rookie draft picks have signed contracts? Not in the slightest. Do not worry about it. There's some financial decisions that are coming down the road with Patrick Mahomes, with Chris Jones. They got to figure a bunch out there. They'll get it taken care of. They're going to have enough space to sign them. Don't worry about it at all. Um, a lot of teams, I don't think, are really in the same situation. I, I don't think a lot of teams have really signed anybody yet to this point anyway. Uh, and with COVID happening and, and all that stuff, just I, I wouldn't wor- worry about it too much. JT Penfield for Hollywood Hop specifically, his Tank Seven take hurt my soul a little bit. But I'm curious what his favorite beer of all time is. Gosh, this is single, single. This beer. is impossible. One, no, you have to pick one. No, I no, know. No. Time out, time out, time out. You have to pick one, Craig. You can't do this. You can't do a Maddie answer. You can't, You have it's to impossible. pick one single beer. One. Listen, there are so many different styles and no, flavors that are all matter. amazing. Yada, yada, yada. Excuses. One. Okay. Then I will go with the beer that I drink most regularly, that I have around the most, that of I course. trust to be in my Miller friends, Light. my fear of the No. <laughs> Dale's Pale Ale. Okay, that's a really like that's like a really really solid one. I can I can get behind that, Craig. Good job, Jeff Pars asks. Does John Lovett make the team? Yes, I don't really have a good explanation for it because they brought back Anthony <laughs> Sherman and they've signed a bunch of extra tight ends. You know, I still think he's a fullback. I think he works his way on there. I think he plays on special teams. He's got the energy. He's got the tryhardness. And then I hope, God, I hope he can start to see the field a little bit as a fullback slash H-back and maybe get a little bit more out of that fullback position that we just don't get out of Anthony Sherman besides as a blocker in terms for the offense. Kyle K asks, out of every corner, linebacker, and defensive lineman in the NFL – who would be the best fit in Steve Spagnolo's defense? Woo! 
out of everybody in the NFL, that is a question. I am going to go with, okay, we've talked about him a lot, but I think it just makes a lot of sense. I'm going to say Fred Warner, and I'm going to say Fred Warner because he fits the size mold that Steve Spagnuolo likes out of his linebackers. He's a very athletic linebacker, but he has good size, so he's not an undersized weak side linebacker. On top of fitting the size, he's very good in coverage. He's got the speed to play sideline to sideline. He's good in coverage. And I think he's really intelligent as a football player. I don't think everybody quite understands that. Like He goes out of his way to bait offenses into throwing the ball into places that he shouldn't be. He kind of plays that mind game as such a young player. I think that would be something that Steve Spagnuolo would covet. I just think that he could have a ton of success with a player that kind of has that athletic, that physical skill set, but also seems to understand the game, especially against the pass, the way Fred Warner does. I mean, like, and there's going to be countless answers here. Nothing's going to be wrong. I just, we talk about him enough that I don't think that he'd be the perfect fit here. And I'm still mad that I didn't get to talk about him because Maddie stole my answer. So I'm going to go with uh, Bill's cornerback, Tredavious White. I think that Tredavious White would fit excellently in Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. He is good enough with his route recognition and understanding of everything going on to play the types of schemes that Steve Spagnuolo wants. He is long enough. He's got good enough ball skills. He's fast enough. And he's smart enough out there on the edge there. I think he'd give them a true island corner there that would allow Spagnuolo to rotate some you know stuff over the top of the other guy. Maybe play a little more single high allow him to just kind of develop and play more exotic coverages. I think that he'd be an ideal fit in the Chiefs defense. I really wanted to just go like Aaron Donald just because he's so good. It's like a scheme. It's like a talent over scheme. (laughs) Uh, Give me like Khalil Mack. Just give me Khalil Mack from a density perspective. He's 270 pounds. He's got the length. His arms might be a little bit short. I'm not positive on that one. I'm sure Maddie's going to correct me if they are. But from playing the run and and the pass, both at a high, from rushing the passer and playing the run, I mean he's a complete player. He's a smart player. He gives outstanding effort, and he's got the density. Gerald or Jeremy Lewis asked, "How concerned are you that we were not able to sell? Or how concerned are you that we may not be able to celebrate the banner ceremony at Arrowhead?" Um. Okay. I think there is reason to be concerned very definitely that there's not going to be fans in the in the stands for hanging the banner. So I do think that there is going to I don't think there's going to be fans in in the stands for game 1. And this is this isn't an educated opinion from like anything I'm hearing. This is just me looking at everything. I mean I'm not I don't feel great about there being a season right today if I'm being completely honest. Um but I think the Chiefs will come up with a way to do everything that they want to do. They're going to celebrate the Super Bowl team in some capacity. I think they'll wait to hang the banner until there's until there's fans in the stands and maybe just do some things to commemorate that football team. Maybe they do some kind of cool ring reveal or something at halftime of the game or something like that. I think the Chiefs will play it right. I think the Chiefs will play it smart. I think they will have fans involved for the things that we definitely want them to be involved for. Yeah, they're not hanging that banner without fans in the stadium. It it means too much to Kansas City. This isn't, you know, number three in a row. You know, here in a couple more years, if something like this happened again, then maybe they'd be like, oh, we'll hang the banner. You know, everybody's getting sick and tired of banner ceremonies. But uh, I won't. Yeah, I probably won't either. But (laughs) (laughs) 
But I do think that this week with uh, K-State shutting down for their athletics program for two weeks, Clemson, LSU, like you're seeing a spike in cases amongst these athletes and these people that are getting together. I think that we're going to have to maybe get through the MLS starting in July down in Orlando, the NBA as well. If baseball ever gets their stuff together, maybe we'll have a little bit more of a data set to kind of draw from. The NFL is lucky that they get to wait until after all of this gets passed before they can make a decision. And I, I feel like it's going to be completely and totally informed by the other three leagues. Justin D. Spear, do you envision the Chiefs going hurry up offense more in the future? Is there a reason that would be a bad idea? I would like them to, but no, I don't think that they will. Andy likes to call plays too much. Uh, I'll let Kent and Matt expound on that a little more. Yeah, you know, I tend to, I tend to think that Andy has just a lot of, he just has a lot of control, and you don't always see it, and you don't always hear it, but like it's very apparent. And it's very apparent with the fact that they don't use no huddle very often because the communication has to be so on point. It's not like the, the coach just gets to sit there at the call sheet and just call everything under the sun that he wants to when he wants to. The tempo that the Chiefs used in the Super Bowl won them the Super Bowl flat out. Um, I would like to see it a lot more. I've been claiming, clamoring for it since Patrick Mahomes' first uh, season as a starter. You can go back and read some of my stuff. I wanted him to play with some tempo. I wanted him to do a series of no huddle, just spring no huddle on him every every game. They, they're they not going to do that. Andy Reid's in full control. He's always going to be in full control. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just it takes away from your ability to do that. Pretty much. I mean, that sums up everything right there. Andy Reid likes to have his fingers in everything the offense does. When you start going no huddle, especially when you have a quarterback that's as good as Patrick Mahomes, that's probably capable of running the no huddle very well you're going to start losing some of that grip on control. And it's not that Andy Reid doesn't trust Patrick Mahomes or he doesn't want him to. It's just he wants to be very involved with everything because he's very good at it as well. And if the time calls, if they absolutely need to, he will. But I don't think they're just going to do it to go out there and completely shock the, the opposing team. Chief Boy RDG, would you rather be the league-leading defense in sacks or the league leader in interceptions and why? I think... At first, I was going to say interceptions here because it's just a hard turnover. The ball now goes back to your offense. There's nothing the offense can do to come back and counter this interception. But I've changed my mind. I'm going to go with sacks for the simple fact that if you are leading the league in sacks, if you are the best team at pressuring, sacking the opposing quarterback, they're going to start making more mistakes. Like there's, no, I find it hard to believe that a team could have a terrible pass defense while also leading the league in sacks. I just simply don't think that could be possible. Whereas... 2018 Chiefs. Sorry. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Did we not just see this? But was it the issue that everybody said they're rushing defense and not really their passing defense? Wasn't it? No, it was because Steve Nelson can't turn his head and Orlando Skandrick was a bum. <laughs> Sorry. I still think on any <laughs> given play, an offense is going to have a hard time completing a pass against you if you are pressuring the quarterback at a better rate than everybody else in the NFL, I will take my chances to not have the Steve Nelson, Orlando Skandrick, 2018 Kansas City Chiefs behind it because I just think it's simply a lot more, a lot harder to have a bad passing defense if you can constantly pressure the quarterback. Interceptions give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes done. I too have been really going back and forth on this one. 
I think I've settled on interceptions, hard turnovers, and giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes, I think. But I will hear either argument. Brandon422, last one. Who will contribute overall to the team more this year, including special teams? This is very important, including special teams. Third year Dorian O'Daniel or rookie Willie Gay Jr.? Uh, Give me rookie Willie Gay Jr. because special teams don't matter, and that's the only place Dorian O'Daniel is going to be contributing. Take that, Dave Tobe. Wow. Dave Tobe's going to come for us. He's going to bring those short shorts to your basement and make you eat those words. But, yeah, it, it's Willie Gay Jr. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> listen, if only because I'm playing the odds here. Willie Gay Jr. is making this roster. I'm not sure Dorian O'Daniel is. So I'm going with the guy that's definitely going to make the roster. He's a splashy defender. They're going to use him in the base defense, at least at the start, and I hope in the nickel very soon after that. So I think he's going to make that he's going to contribute significantly more. Willie Gay Jr. is also my answer because he's going to play special teams. Like most young linebackers in the NFL, they are also going to play special teams. Maybe he's not going to be great at it, but honestly, how many times did any of even us notice Dorian O'Daniel on special teams last year? Like we're talking definite single digits amount of times in terms of making big impact as a special teamer. Because special teams don't matter, Kent. Yes, I see you get ready to mouth the exact phrase again. Because special teams don't matter. It's like, at best, Dorian O'Daniel's hoping to make a couple big splash plays on special teams. I think Willie Gay's athleticism will allow him to potentially match that, but then also see the field as a defender and not just as a quarterback spy and actually make plays out as, as a defender. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the mailbag edition of the show. Thank you guys so much for all your great questions. Even though there's not a lot of going on with the Chiefs, any news whatsoever, uh, we're really hanging on to that Jamal Adams news. But uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, and we will be back on Wednesday with another episode. Make sure you check the AP Editor show on Tuesday. Catch you guys. Willie Gay is also the correct answer because he's a youth like me.